1: www.brfcs.com By the fans, for the fans, since 1996.
2: Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 48. I'm the BRFCS editor, Wen Hu, and with me in the virtual studio today are BRFCS news editor, Paul, who is now the Rovers Trust Supporters Direct Liaison Officer, and Sindra, who is known as Puffsan on the board. Uh, he's a member of BRSCN, uh, the Blackburn Rovers Supporters Club of Norway. And he joins us today to tell us about Henningberg's managerial career in Norway and also to fill us in on the football scene over in Norway. First of all, I'd just like to welcome Paulin. Hello, Paul. How are you?
0: Morning, Wen. I'm very well. And you?
2: Yep, not too bad. Not too bad. Very busy indeed. Uh, I believe that you've been a little bit busy this
0: last day or two. Yeah, we've had quite an eventful time over the last 48 hours, and uh, I look forward to talking to you about it in a few minutes.
1: Good, good, yeah.
0: And, uh, Sindra, uh, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, hi, Wen. It's a pleasure to join you today.
2: Yep, it's great to have you uh, on for the first time, and uh, we look forward to hearing about uh, Henning Berg. Uh, have you uh, managed to see the Birmingham match at all?
1: Yeah, and I must say it was uh, a pleasure watching. And uh, for the first time uh, in two years, I watched the Rovers game with a friend. And, uh, and I was not embarrassed of the performance on the field. <laughs> so brilliant, brilliant. It was uh, good to watch.
2: Good, good. And uh, Paul was uh, at the match um uh, Sindra must have watched it on, uh, on television over in Norway. Uh, Paul was down at Ewood Park. Uh, so let's start off by talking about uh, the Birmingham match yesterday. Ended uh, one apiece. Sounded as though we could have won. What did you make of it, Paul?
0: Well, what did I make of it? I mean, overall, it was a really, really good game of football between two very good sides. Um, if we start from the beginning, I think the the, the really good point was the fact that Headingburg was so well received by the crowd, um, and from that point on, we had a tremendous atmosphere in the ground, one that I haven't experienced for probably, I don't know, 12, 15 months, something like
1: that. Brilliant.
2: Could you feel that at all via the television, Sandra?
1: Yeah, you could feel the buzz, uh, that the atmosphere had uh, changed significantly the past week, so... Uh... It was good to watch. Uh, The performance was a lot better. I I didn't expect uh, us to perform uh, this well as uh, soon after Henning has uh, taken over, but uh, that just shows how how good the quality squad we actually have.
2: Yes, yes, we've uh, mentioned this a number of times uh, about good players not going bad uh, suddenly. Um, It's more a case of how they're managed and uh, trained but uh, yeah Uh, down at Ewood Paul the match itself what did you make
0: of it? Yeah I thought Rovers were very bright for the first 30 minutes and clearly deserved their lead from the penalty Um, it was a shame that Birmingham equalised so soon because I think that really uh, took a little bit of the confidence away from the team but that very quickly came back, especially after half time. And I think that uh, Henning must have, you know, really said to them very positively at the uh, half time talk that the game was there for us to have, um, the points were there to be won. Unfortunately, you know, we did only get a draw, but, and I think that was down to a couple of things. Um, sometimes we played very, very well through midfield, um, but we failed to get the final ball into the box. Uh, and then on other occasions, when we did get a really good ball into the box, I'm afraid that um, you know Rhodes or the players supporting him weren't able to take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, just to go back to the first half. Um, obviously, I haven't seen the game at all. Were we worth a couple of goals, two or three goals by by the time uh, we'd actually got the penalty?
0: I'm not sure you could say that. No. Um, our play was our approach play was very positive, good passing, retaining the ball we didn't give it away in dangerous or in stupid situations. Um, my memory is that while we were threatening, we weren't getting a great deal directly on target um, but it, you know it, creating chances is what it's all about, and I don't remember a huge number of chances. Uh, <coughs> in that first half.
1: Yeah, I, I thought we were uh, very good. Uh the possession was good and uh, uh the passing quality was excellent and uh I thought uh, our wings especially uh, did a very good job. Uh Marcus Olsen may not have the, the best first touch, but uh, he has uh, he has the pace and uh that widens up the the opponents' uh, defense and uh For Mika, was very very good yesterday, Um, and he uh, he deservedly won the man of the match in my opinion. Uh, If you look away from that uh, second half, uh, when he almost gave the uh, Birmingham striker the ball in our box, but uh, yeah, and. our attacking uh, midfielders and uh, our attack looks really good and we may have actually have a luxury problem soon because uh, (laughs) we have uh, Nunes did did a a good job Uh, uh, Rocinha, yeah he he's got talent and uh, his performance will go a bit up and down but he he did did also a decent job and and when uh, uh, Vukovic came on he uh, he really impressed me, so, uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having a hard time figuring out who I actually want to want to start uh, next game.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Wen and Sindra, the other thing I'd like to mention is the, uh, the performance of Murphy throughout the game. Um, I mean, he was applauded off by the fans uh, when he was substituted, and I have to say that's not something I would have expected. But in the first half, there were a couple of passes that he made from just over the halfway line uh, that were absolutely sublime. I mean, there was there was one where he just looped the ball over the Birmingham defence and, and just put them at sixes and sevens. It, it was really very, very good. Um, and having been somebody who's been criticising Murphy so far this season, I'm, I'm just delighted to have been proved wrong yesterday. And uh, I hope he can keep that sort of form up.
1: Yeah, I uh I totally agree and uh I haven't watched uh so many games because there have only been two other uh, Rovers games on TV so far uh this season, but uh he uh, he played a lot better yesterday than uh, the two other games. And uh the only problem I can see uh with our team now is that every time uh, our opponent gets the ball in our box, I keep getting nervous because I'm so used to either Hanley or Dan or Robinson screw it up, so uh, there is a problem in uh, in our back four. But uh, uh, offensively, we we looked really good yesterday.
2: Yeah, uh, the Birmingham goal was it kind of uh, another comedy of errors at the back yet again?
0: Yes, without any doubt. No <laughs> doubt <Yeah,
2: it sounded laughs> like about, a...
0: about that. <laughs> um, the I didn't see precisely what happened, but the ball appeared to come into the box, and I thought Henley, but somebody else said Dan, basically presented the Birmingham striker with the opportunity. Um, that shot hit the post, and then another Birmingham player followed through and just, you know, knocked the ball into the net. Um, I think we granted them that goal. We just gave them the goal.
1: Yeah. Uh, what happened was that. Uh... They had a cross in, and I think the ball hit uh Dan' fire or anything he he just didn't look ready for it and uh and it bounced and uh hit the post and uh and no one seemed to react so <laughs> uh, then the striker went on and scored so uh, I think it was uh poor by Dan and uh poor by Hanley, who didn't follow up the ball when it uh hit the bar so um yeah. They uh, they looked a bit pass- uh, a bit passive, yeah. In my opinion, yeah.
2: The defensive frailties are not going to be solved overnight, but uh, uh, for me it's interesting that Murphy has been uh, reinstalled as captain and that he seems to be refinding his confidence and motivation. I mean th- the team has been static for, well, a bit from before Keane came in, I think, and. If you've got uh, a, a static team, then having someone like Murphy is, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, just sitting in front of the defence is always going to be difficult. I think uh, even if you had someone like Tugay uh, in there, uh, he'd find it difficult if the team was uh, quite so static. Uh, I'm hoping that Henning has got the, uh, the the team more on its toes and moving uh, about and wanting the ball now. From uh, from what you saw yesterday. Would you would you say that we're moving in that direction?
0: Uh, yes, Wen, I think that's definitely the the position. Um just going quickly back to the defence, uh, you know, the comedy of errors for the Birmingham goal was actually the only comedy of errors in the game. Our defence looked much better. Um and certainly on the midfield side uh, for every game I've seen except yesterday, um, Murphy has been very, very static. Um, but of course, with nobody moving for him, there was nothing he could do with the ball. Yesterday, he might have had two or three different options on several occasions uh, because the players were moving around so well. And that gave him the opportunity to, to create some really telling passes uh, to play some very, very good balls out of midfield.
2: That's good. So, you you think it bodes well? Uh,
0: I feel very, very positive. I think the... um, And I know you can't judge things on one match, but it looked to me like the enthusiasm, uh, the passion, the aggression and the movement are coming into the team. And those are the sort of things we need if we are going to have a chance of getting promotion.
1: Yeah, I I agree with Paul. Uh, it, It now actually looks like players care while uh, uh in some other games you you don't feel that they have the passion and the energy and that they really want to perform and and give everything for the team and for the club but uh yesterday they they really stood up and uh and wanted to perform and i think uh, i think the competition also is good that so many new players get to play and and uh get a new chance so that uh that they know they, they don't have a free ticket to the first team. That's, that's really important to have a competitive squad.
2: Well, we'll, uh, we'll come on to Henning Berg and his impact uh, on the squad uh, in a moment. First of all, though, Paul, we're going to be having a, a special podcast next week on the Rovers Trust launch. Uh, we've mentioned on the podcast before that the Rovers Trust officially launches at the cathedral blackburn cathedral uh two weeks time on 24th of november next week we'll have a podcast special looking at the launch uh would you like to just give us a, a brief update on on the latest in terms of you know what's happening on the ground uh,
0: yes certainly when um We've all really been very, very busy over the last two to three weeks preparing for the launch. Um, Much of it is connected just with the, uh, you know, sort of physical organisation of of what is going to happen on the day. And I'm glad to say all of that is in place. But even more important than that is uh, yesterday we had a a number of Rovers Trust people actually on the ground distributing uh, leaflets to the fans as they walked and made their way towards the match. Um, and i'm delighted to say that the response that we got from the support to these leaflets uh, was was very very good um, and we're all feeling very happy about it
2: great we'll we'll be able to get the the lowdown on uh the the background to uh, to the launch next week i hope yeah uh
0: most definitely i think um you know that i don't quite know which guests have been invited yet but uh, you'll get all the the detail of um, the launch and what we'll be discussing etc uh, in next week's podcast um, and if I can just step back to yesterday I mean we were leafleting and talking to fans from uh, 1.30 through to just before kickoff and Obviously, you know, at 1.30, quarter to two, there's a relatively small number of people making their way towards the ground. So it was very good that, you know, we were able to stop and talk to supporters about the trust. Um, And I would say that the response was 99% positive to what we are trying to do. Uh, Obviously, you know, as the crowds got bigger and uh, busier, um, it was uh, difficult to talk to individuals. But we found that people were were hungry for information. Uh, Many said that they'd signed up already. And uh, many of the supporters said, yes, you know, we'll be there at the cathedral in a couple of weeks uh, and look forward to hearing what you have to say.
2: Whereabouts were you? Uh,
0: Myself, I was um, positioned with Simon, uh, our secretary, and with uh, Tom, who helps with the IT side of things. Um, I was stood uh, again with Simon. Just beyond the bridge below the aqueduct, where the uh, Bolton Road splits off down that little snicket that so many people use as a shortcut to Nuttall Street, and uh, Tom was on the other side of the road.
2: Yeah, so you, you pretty much had the, the, the main directions covered. Um, the, were the club good about you, you know, organising this in, in the Ewood
0: area? Uh, we had to do two things. We had to contact the club to find out what the position was if we were leafleting near Ewood Park um, and they actually said that if we were within the boundaries of Ewood Park there would be a one thousand pound charge um, for any uh, collection of uh, litter and leaflets and so on that uh, might have been left around by, by supporters. Um, we also had to contact the council um, about leaflet distribution and they informed us that there was no problem with leaflet distribution on a match day provided that we cleared up any, uh, r- any rubbish that was left behind as a result of this. Um, so we made sure we positioned ourselves well away from the boundaries of Ewood Park and then after the leaflet distribution we had a team that went round to pick up any that had been thrown away by supporters. Um, I'm delighted to say myself Uh, Walking from the aqueduct to Ewood, I only found eight flyers which had been discarded, which uh, is an experience, uh, you know, it's what everybody else experienced, uh, which tends to suggest that fans took the leaflets, read them and kept them, and we feel that's very important.
2: That's excellent. Uh, So you've printed uh, several thousand of these leaflets, I guess.
0: Yeah, we we, uh, distributed 5,000 leaflets yesterday. Uh, We've also had posters put up in uh, pubs, clubs, newsagents, some of the smaller shops all the way along Bolton Road, all the way along Livesey Branch Road. I believe we covered virtually every pub within a sort of maybe two, three-mile radius of Ewood and and beyond. Um, You know, we really are getting the publicity out there to tell everybody about Rovers Trust, um, and we think it's especially important to be getting the information out there physically. It's all very well relying on the internet for uh, publishing information, but the vast majority of supporters don't necessarily look to the internet. Uh, and this is why we felt we had to get ourselves out amongst the crowd yesterday to tell them what was happening with Rovers Trust.
2: Yep. Uh, it's something that's brought up from time to time on the podcasts that many of the uh, Rovers supporters... Uh, don't have any interest in uh, online uh, communities. Uh, so BRFCS, uh, in particular, is um, far, far, far beyond uh, simply an online community. It's uh, a community of Rover supporters. But it's really important to, to have that uh, communication face to face, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And one of the things I particularly enjoyed in the first sort of thirty or forty minutes was that there were relatively small numbers of fans moving towards the ground. And in many cases, we were able to stop and have a conversation for half a minute, a minute or two minutes about Rovers Trust and, and give them a lot more information face-to-face about what we're trying to achieve and uh, to you know, let them know about the launch at the cathedral on the 24th of November, at 10 o'clock that is. Um, so you know, having this face-to-face, face-to-face communication is very important. We cannot just rely on the internet.
2: Uh, has there been anything in the Lancashire Telegraph uh, about the launch
0: there 's going to be a full press release over the next few days. Um, Neil, our uh, media officer will be you know has that prepared and he will be choosing the right day on which to uh, launch the press release um, that 's going to go to uh, written media uh, radio television, and to um, know all of the message boards and uh, supporters forums so we'll be looking to cover you know every form of media with that press release
2: that's great uh, just bring sindra in here uh sindra um are you uh, aware of the rovers trust at
1: all um yeah i'm not so uh, so into it uh, i i remember i pledged to the, the brs it but i think that's been merged together now am i correct
0: Yes, that's absolutely right, Sindra. Uh, BRSIT and BRST merged um, during this summer and we're now one organisation known as Rovers Trust. The aims and objectives of that uh, organisation, the Rovers Trust, are exactly the same as BRSIT, to which you made your pledge and to which several thousand other people also made a pledge.
1: Yeah, okay. I read a lot about uh, the BRSIT, but uh, when they merged I, uh, I didn't pay that much attention to it because I think it's uh, still a long way to go to, uh, if the plan still are to buy the club back. So.
0: Yeah, it's true, there is a long way to go. Um, and if you need some more information about you know, how we're working and what the objectives are, then you can go to uh, www.roverstrust.co.uk and you will find a great deal there. Um, And for the more local fans, this is why we are holding the uh, launch event at the Cathedral, um, because we want to be able to stand up, take questions, give answers to those questions, and then look to uh, sign people up to become members of the Trust. Um, Because you are right, we do have a long way to go, but the more fans we can get behind us, the more people who will sign up for the Trust, uh, the greater the chance we have of achieving our objectives which is to have either a share, a part share, or full ownership of the club at some point in the future.
1: Is there there any membership fee or something like that now, or how does the the membership work now? Uh,
0: There's a membership fee of £10, which buys you a share and an equal vote with everyone else in the Rovers Trust.
1: Yeah, Okay.
2: That's an annual... Uh, fee
0: yeah that's an annual fee when um, it's uh, £10 payable um, you know if uh, people want to do it now via PayPal on our website or alternatively you know we'll be able to take uh, you know sign up members and so on on the day at the launch Um, and it is an annual fee which buys you as I say one share in the Rovers Trust it's important to understand that it's a share in the Rovers Trust not a share directly in the club obviously
2: yeah obviously (laughs) The, the, share, the share initiative for, for the uh, purchase of the club is a separate issue, yeah?
0: It is a separate issue, yes. And um, I think that's something that you would be best leaving until the next podcast because uh, there, there are people more able than me, uh, frankly, who will be able to give you all the ins and outs of that, uh, of that possibility of, of shares in the club.
2: Yeah. Uh, we discussed this at length uh, with Oz and Wayne Wild, the uh, chair, co-chairs uh, of Robus Trust, uh, podcast uh, about four or five podcasts ago. It uh, it uh, it's it's so complicated that it needs to be gone over again and again. I think that uh, next week we'll discuss that uh, at um, at length.
0: Yeah, I think you're right there. Wayne, and um, you know we are doing everything we possibly can to present all this information in, in good old plain English so that it is you know, understandable to us all. Because you know, uh, it is difficult um, and uh, there, there isn't any doubt about that. It, it's good to get the message across as clearly as we can.
2: Yeah. Um, over in uh, Norway, uh, you have the Blackburn Rovers Supporters Club there, BRSCN. Uh, Sundra, you are a, a member of uh, BRSCN, yeah? That's yeah, that's correct. How uh, how are BRSCN uh, approaching the Rovers Trust and
1: BRSIT etc? Uh, I'm not uh, quite sure about that. I'm not a I'm not an involved member as in the backroom stuff. I I've just started to work as a news writer, but I don't know so much about uh, what they do and who who they are talking to uh, uh, abroad. I know uh, they are part of the BRFC action group, uh, but I don't know um, if they have any contact with the Rover's Trust. Uh, but I do know that a lot of people, a lot of the regions have uh, pledged to the trust. Um, yeah. But I, but I, I don't think they have any. I don't know if they have any uh, any particular stance on the Rover's Trust. But I'll guess they're, uh, the most most fans are positive because. People are not too happy about Winkies, you know. So, yeah, I think that's an international thing. Yeah. yeah so that's
2: uh, that's good. Um, how about uh, the feeling over in Blackburn?
0: Um, would you describe it as positive, Paul? I think the overall response we got yesterday was extremely positive. Um, it was far better, I think, than I personally hoped for. People had already heard of the trust. Many said they would be coming to the, uh, the launch of the Cathedral and I would just encourage everybody to get there, uh, show their support for the club, show their support for the Rovers Trust uh, and we'd love to see you all there in two weeks time at the Cathedral.
2: Well you'll be there uh, in a couple of weeks time at the Cathedral uh, but I believe that you've got to be getting off now.
0: Uh, Yes, I'm afraid so. Um, I've uh, got to go out at half past 11, so I I really need to uh, say goodbye to yourself and Sindra and uh, look forward to talking to you all again soon.
2: Yeah, thanks ever so much for coming on. Take good care. So if we move on to Henningberg now, Sindra has uh, made a contribution to the Henningberg thread on the message board. Uh, He's here today to discuss in further detail about Henning's managerial career over in Norway, he started off at Lyn, um, which was a pretty small
1: club, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. When uh, they um, they are a rather small club from the capital city of uh, Oslo, and uh, they are rather uh, uh, they have a rather small fan base and are more like a have been more like a development club, and they have uh, had uh, cooperation with some. Uh, uh, schools that uh, do sports, sports schools, so they have a lot of uh, youngsters who uh, who play football in their school time and uh, and go and play for the youth team of Lien and uh, etc. So uh, it's uh, it's not the biggest club in uh, in Norway, and actually they went uh, bankrupt uh, just after Henningberg left. So they're currently got promoted to the second division, I think
2: they went bankrupt after Henning left. I, I hope that that wasn't because of Henning, was it?
1: No, uh, it, it was not because of Henning. Uh, he actually, uh, he actually made, uh, made a lot of money because, uh, uh, he had sold a lot of players to, uh, abroad clubs for a lot of money. In all the clubs he's been, he's actually, uh, made a lot of money on, uh, player sales, but there was a lot of, uh, bad things happening in the organization, administration, and, uh, the CEO actually got uh, convicted for uh, for a signature fraud. He had uh, forged uh, a couple of signatures in some contracts. Really? So, uh, really? Yeah. Wow. He actually didn't did perform pretty well at Lynn.
2: Yeah, he started off with Lynn at the bottom of the Tippa Liga.
1: Yeah, they weren't at the bottom. They were like an average team, but uh in the first season he was in charge, they finished uh third, which is uh very very good uh at that time. Um and they were actually uh in their second to last uh, home game, they uh they had a penalty against them. That was totally wrong. And uh, uh many people believe that if they had didn't if they hadn't get gotten that penalty against them, they would have uh, won the league that season. So um, really, yeah, really. So that was a really? massive achievement. Um, the two seasons after, they they didn't perform that well, but they weren't expected to perform that well because they're not a top club and they don't have the money to to perform at the top of the league. Um, but he did uh, he did a really good job there. He had uh, a win percent of uh, yeah I I don't remember the win percent right now. But uh, he had a 30 percent clean sheet at least, and they scored about 1.66 goals every game. So that's pretty decent. And uh, yeah. after he um, he had he had done so well with uh, Lin. he. Uh, he caught uh, the interest of Lillestrøm.
2: Lillestrøm is one of the larger clubs in in Norway, yeah.
1: Yeah, they were really big in the eighties. They're kind of like a sleeping giant who, who hasn't performed very well for the last two decades. Uh, they have had a fourth place and a fifth place, and but they're they're actually the the club that has been in the top flight in Norway the longest. So they have the record of. Being in the top flight for the longest period, so uh, they're uh, actually a big club. It's not a, it's not a really popular club because they're they really they have a really physical uh, playing style and uh, they're actually kind of like a team that most Norwegians loves to hate if you're not a Lillestrøm fan. <laughs> so uh, right. yeah, I wouldn't say Stoke, but uh, yeah. Very physical and uh, good on set pieces and etc. Right. Yeah. So um, when he uh, when he joined there, they had uh, that was just after the financial crisis in uh, in America and Europe, and the Norwegian clubs really struggled. On uh, many Norwegian strugg- uh, clubs struggled because um, the attendance had r- risen and um, they had. Uh, gotten a lot of uh, big sponsorships and uh, they were just splashing cash out to to every player and they they got more and more wages and uh, they weren't really any better so um, and then it backfired uh, and uh, for Lilistrom it was really hard because they when uh, Henning took over they had one of the oldest squads in the league and a lot of high earners who. Who it was really difficult to get rid of, um, so and and they actually had uh, had uh, trouble paying incoming invoices. Invoices, it was that dire at that time.
2: Uh, was this uh, just Lillestrøm? It, it was uh, most of the clubs in
1: Norway at that time. Yeah, it was. It was many clubs, uh, especially those clubs who. Uh, those big clubs who were fighting for for the two top places and uh, playing in the Champions League and spend a lot of money. It was like five, six, or seven clubs spending a lot of money to to get to the Champions League. And if you get to the Champions League, then you're financially safe. But if you if you don't get there, you <laughs> you get in trouble, uh, especially yeah. after the financial crisis. So when the attendance drop and. Um, so it w- it wasn't only Lillestrøm, but uh, Lillestrøm uh, they had uh, they were in much more danger than most of the other clubs. Um, mm. When when Henning took uh, he was bound to take over after the 2008 season, but then they fought for rele- relegation. So he he took over the club uh, when it was three games left, I think. And in the first game, they beat uh, Rosenborg, which is the biggest and best club in Norway for the past two decades. So that was, uh, and he he saved them. He saved their spot in the first game. And uh, the season after, they they didn't they, they were, weren't expected to be high, and they were expected to to struggle, uh, and they did struggle. Uh, they finished at. Uh, 11th place and they conceded 50 goals in 30 matches so that wasn't too good but that was because of the financial crisis at that time um, it was a really tight league uh, L- uh, Lillestrom who finished 11th uh, they were only three points from the sixth place so there was there was not many points uh, um, Deferring from the rest of the league, if you understand me. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty much the same in the 2010 season when they finished 10th. Uh, they were only six points away from the fifth place, so it was still a, a tight league. Um, and then we come into their his last season... Uh, they opened their season very well. That season, uh, they scored a lot of goals, and in my opinion, they played the most entertaining football in the league for the first um, period of the season. On the 13 first matches, they had uh, actually had a lot of high-winning games. They won two games for 2 uh, one game they they. Uh, uh it it finished four four uh five nil and one seven nil so they had a lot of good games with lot of lots of goals but they only had but, but they also had a couple of ugly losses when they lost like four one and three n three nil and and so that season they weren't expected to do very good but they started their season very well um but then they they still had uh, had the uh, financial problems they didn't have of money so they had to sell their top scorer Anthony Udja in June and th- at that time he had scored 13 goals in 12 matches so he was kind of important to to the team and uh, as well in uh, in August that season uh, he Henning also had to sell their offensive playmaker uh, a guy called Nosa uh, Igbayor. And at that time, they were on fifth place uh, after 17 matches, and they were only one point away from the second place, which was which was a, a lot better than uh, what was expected. From most of the experts, expected they would finish around 10th place that season because they didn't they hadn't gotten any any many new signings and and fresh players in, so they weren't expected to be high. um, And after they have sold the two these two players, his last striker got injured for the rest of the season. So for the rest of the season, he had to use uh, one 18-year-old striker and one 17-year-old striker. So uh, (laughs) it's not the most optimal situation. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's when he had the
2: problems at the end of that season.
1: Yeah, uh, uh that that's when uh, they went in a bad run after they sold these players and uh and he got injured. But uh, I th- I think because they started the season so well, that was probably uh, one of the reasons why he eventually got sacked because I think if they if they had performed not so good for the whole season. It would be more accepted, but they were really, really good, and they, they and then they uh, were uh, didn't do so well. But I, I don't think he got sacked that much because of the results. He had like a power struggle with the board, uh, especially an, an investor who um, who came in uh, into the media and said, "Yeah, I will invest." Uh, Ten or twenty million uh, Norwegian kroners in the club, but only if we, if you make changes on the on the manager, and the board went for the uh, for the money solution, which I, yep. I I think they regret now because, uh, Lillestrom in uh, this season they have signed like seventeen new players. Seventeen. They, yeah, they're like the Norwegian Queen's Park Rangers now. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah, uh, and they're currently at twelfth place, so they're not doing uh, <laughs> really good. But so basically, you're saying that
2: uh, Henningberg uh, left because of uh, a boardroom struggle, yeah?
1: Yeah, but it, it was also uh, uh, many of the fans and uh, and people, ex-players and ex-people who have been involved in the list room before. They weren't too happy about Henning because he kind of comes out in a grumpy way in uh, in uh, in interviews and post match interviews and you never saw him smile you never saw him he was also so he was always so serious just talking about football and he looked kind of angry and he didn't like create a buzz, if you know what i mean yeah so i think that was also one of the reasons uh,
2: uh, was this during his time at Lillestrøm? Uh, what yeah. about when he was at Lin Was that uh, was his attitude any different in that time?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, you don't have the same kind of pressure uh, and media focus on you when you are coaching Lyn and when you are coaching Lillestrøm. That's two completely different things. So, uh, but I'm I'm not sure. But but I think he he kind of had the the same attitude, and I also think that's the main reason why he became a pundit uh, after he got sacked at Lillestrøm. Uh, because I think uh, the Norwegian TV2 who has the TV rights for Premier League, uh, the Norwegian Tippliga, etc. I think they convinced him that uh, yeah you should come and work for us and get more comfortable with the media and talking in the media and. Show a more positive uh, side of yourself, and uh, we o- we also had a um, had a former national coach, who also were viewed as kind of grumpy, in the, and he also uh, he has also worked for TV2 and and changed a lot in how he how he interacts and how his attitude is out. So. I think he has learned a lot from being a pundit in how to express himself. And he looks a lot more happy now in Blackburn when I see his post-match interviews and, and so on.
2: Well, That's good. That's good. Uh, You're saying that uh, he's um, been able to get Lillistron playing uh, attacking football, uh, scoring four, five, seven goals in a game. Um how would you describe his uh, managerial style
1: yeah um i previously talked about uh, lillestrom being a very physical team playing very direct and uh, and that was also uh, a bit tough because when he 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 took the job he had to completely change how they how they played so that took a lot of time because that had been the lillestrom culture for a decade or two but um but he likes to play very possession orientated uh, he like fast um fast players players who who like to challenge and uh his his teams always look very organized uh i think um players like marcus olson for example that's that's a, that's a type of player that henning would like because he's so fast uh, that some of his, some of his other qualities that aren't so great, I, th- I, th- I think he 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 will look at his pace as really valuable for the team, and I think that he, he he's a player that will play a lot on handing.
2: So the organisation uh, that we've seen in the first three matches of the Rovers, uh, Crystal Palace, Huddersfield, and Birmingham, um, everyone who's. Uh, been to the matches as saying there's been a gradual progression uh, that we're looking better, more solid. You think that the next stage will be for more pace in attack?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised by how how soon we have seen changes. I thought we would uh, struggle a lot more and maybe get a get a ugly win or two. And uh, but what what has really happened is that we have had two games now where we actually have played really good and but have not produced the the points that we want so uh so i'm, re- I'm really surprised that uh, that the change has happened so fast i think um based on what i saw yesterday uh we kind of what we lack is the final the final touch the the, the finishes w- weren't really good uh yesterday uh, uh and the passing play was really good so and, and we had lots of great through balls, which is kind of like Henning's philosophy. He likes to keep the ball on the ground. He doesn't like to hoof it up like uh, Big Sam, for instance. So uh, I think uh, what you have seen uh, for the last past two games is uh, gives you a good picture of what he's trying to do and how he wants uh, Roberts to play forward.
2: Yeah. One of the things that people were worried about when he was appointed was that he would just be a puppet of uh Shabby Singh. How do you see that is he Is he a strong personality or uh, you know is he likely to come into conflict with uh, with shebi Singh for example
1: yeah uh, i have uh, I have heard those rumors and i don't i don't really understand why so many people. I think Shabby wants a uh, wants a yes man. Uh, based on what I've heard Shebby says, he I think he wants a, a strong manager who can make his own decisions. And if he wanted a yes man, he should have <laughs> never have signed Henning because uh, he has really strong opinions and uh, and he won't he he will not let himself be run over by by Shabby. uh he has gone in conflict with a lot uh, stronger personalities than uh, Shabby Singh in the past so I'm not too worried about that that's good which was that was also one of the reasons why why I was so happy when uh, when I heard Henning was in contention for the job uh, because when the first uh, managerial rumors came out with uh, team Sherwood and Alan Shearer and so on I I I don't really know that much about the, their managerial careers because uh, yeah Alan Sherr he's been a pundit and he had a short spell at Newcastle and Tim Sherwood uh, I don't know a lot about how he likes Kay. to play and what he can bring to the team but uh, when I heard uh, uh, Henning was being interviewed I was almost certain that he would get the job because he he talks so well and he's so professional in his work and how he wants the team to play. He has really strong opinions on how he wants the team to play, how he wants to be organized. So I knew Shaw and Shabbi would be uh, really impressed with what he what he had uh, presented to them.
2: Yeah, of course, Alan Shearer uh, was the only manager at Newcastle for eight games, and um, Tim Tim Sherwood hasn't got onto the managerial rung yet but uh, yeah, I'll I'll be very interested to see how Henning does Uh, in the next two or three weeks uh, there is speculation that even this coming week that he may bring in someone uh, to his backroom team Uh, there's speculation that he may bring in an assistant maybe one other Um, do you have any idea about who he would favour as uh, an assistant manager, for example?
1: Uh, no. I have absolutely no idea who he would, he, who he would bring in. Uh, his assistant manager at uh, uh, Lien, he took over Lien uh, after uh, Henning left, and he got relegated with Lean and they went bankrupt. It wasn't his fault, but uh, he is currently an assistant manager for uh, another team in uh, in the Tippliga and uh, his backroom staff in uh, Lillestrøm one of them he he has taken a manager job for a team called Stabæk who will be relegated this season probably I don't, I'm not sure but if I I may know one person who may be interested who I know he's worked with before and that would be uh, a former centre back for Chelsea What's his name again? Um, yeah, I, I really can't remember his name uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Alan Jonsson is his name. Who? Alan Jonsson Erland Johnson.
2: Ah, uh, Erland Johnson.
1: Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he uh, he he has worked with Henning, but I, I'm not sure if how they how they cooperate then. I I I don't really see any any candidates that I know Henning would prefer. Uh, but also I I don't know too much about the backroom staff of Norway. You you kind of mostly see the managers and you don't know who works as coaches, so it's really hard to say. But I do hope uh, I know if 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 he brings someone in, it will be someone he he knows he can work with and it will be someone who shares his philosophy on how to play and that's really important for Henning. he has said that lots of times when he's been a pundit it's really important to have the cooperation and and share the same philosophy and uh, so so if he brings someone in it will be someone who shares his opinion on uh, on how to play football
2: that's good well, it's great to hear uh Someone from Norway who've, who's followed his uh, his teams, uh, followed his style of football, and uh, can talk knowledgeably about uh, Henning Berg. The football scene over in Norway, we've had some fantastic players ourselves over at Blackburn uh, from Norway. Uh, Henning Berg, of course, and uh, Lars Bohynen, who was absolutely fantastic back in the 1990s. Uh, did did you remember him at all?
1: Yeah, I remember him. He, I I I actually never <laughs> I I actually never liked handing uh Lush-Bohin that much to be honest. Uh, <laughs> he was never one of my favorite players. Actually, my my favorite players when I started uh, uh following uh, being a Black Rovers fan, that was uh, Paul Warhurst. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when did
2: you start following Rovers?
1: Um yeah, that, that's um, that's uh, 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 interesting question because uh, Norwegian or English football um, got really popular in in uh, in Norway in the 70s. Actually, Nor- Norwegian TV was the first uh, broadcasting station that uh, that showed uh, British football live. It was they they showed live football live English football uh, in Norway before they showed it in the UK. So that's uh a funny, a funny uh, fun fact. Um, uh-huh. So um, so mo- most of the most of the the, fa- the Nor- Norwegian fans they became fans in the in the 70s and 80s and that's why clubs like Liverpool and Leeds and so are, are so big in Norway and Rovers fan base is is quite small because most of the fans became fans in the in the 90s. Me myself, uh, I I didn't. I, most, most, most people get fans because maybe their parents are Liverpool fans and so on, and they convince them to be, to support their team, but uh, my family, uh, my father never cared for sport, so, what happened was, uh, my oldest brother, he had bought a championship manager (laughs) 93-94, So um, yeah. so he wanted to play uh, Manchester United, and uh, he invited my uncle over, who is uh, a Nottingham Forest fan. And uh, he and my second oldest brother, they wanted to play Nottingham Forest, and I was really small. I was about seven or eight years. And uh, they said, hey, what, what uh, team will Cinder play? And uh, yeah, my brother said, yeah, he can play Blackburn. They're doing pretty good now. And uh, that was basically it. Right. So uh, I I became a rubber span through a computer game. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Yeah. There's uh, so many stories uh, that are very similar to that. Um, one of the uh, big pulls is the blue and white colours. Uh, was that a pull for you at all?
1: Uh, yeah. I, I've always blue has always been my favourite colour. So uh, so I I think that that was also important. Uh, but also I've always been fond of the, kind of the underdog. I've always liked the underdog. And uh, I've never been a favorite of the, of the, of the favorites, uh, per se. Yeah.
2: Well, at that time we were the big underdogs, um, even though we had uh, Alan Shearer in our team. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was fantastic times. Fantastic times. Um, interesting that you weren't a big fan of Henning. Uh,
1: no, I <laughs> l- Lars Bohin. Uh, I, I loved Henning.
2: Oh, sorry, it was Lars Bohinning you, you didn't like. Yeah. Uh,
1: sorry. Maybe it, beca- it was because he came from Forest, uh, which was a club that my older brother supported. I, I don't know. Uh, that's Yeah, that's
2: possibly it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Possibly it. Yeah, Lars was great. Um yeah, Henning was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I had a season ticket in, in, in the 90s. I uh, used to go over to Blackburn to, to watch the games. And, uh, yeah, Henning Berg and uh, Colin Hendry, absolutely fantastic at the back there. Yeah. H- Henning Berg, actually, uh, w- when he started playing for us, he was at uh, fullback, and uh, it was absolutely beautiful to watch him and Stuart Ripley working together. Um, absolutely brilliant! One of the best fullbacks uh, I've seen down at uh, down at Ewood,
1: I've seen a lot of decent ones as well. Yeah, and, and what's what's kind of funny with uh, Hending's career is he was never a childhood star. He 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 kind of had to work his way up, and uh, uh, he's always given everything uh, 100%. And, uh, and, and to see how far he he came with his attitude that's really mm. impressive
2: yeah i can i can believe that yeah yeah he was uh, playing full back for the rovers but for the norway norwegian team here he was playing centre half back in the 90s yeah that's correct and uh, then he uh, went from uh, cent- uh, from uh, for the rovers he then went from full back uh, into cent- uh, central position but, uh, yeah he was uh, uh, fantastic uh, in, in both positions for
1: us. Yeah, and I also think he's always been very, from an early age, he's always he's also always been very interested in the organization and uh, how the backroom force should be. And I think that's uh, he he showed an interest in in managerial kind of early. I think. Interesting. Oh, that's
2: great. Well uh, we're going to have to stop there Sindra. Yeah. Um we've been talking so long about Henningberg. <laughs> um do you have any special message uh for Henning? Uh,
1: yeah, no I I wish him the the best and uh, I hope he's successful. Uh he knows he has to perform because uh he, he knows there's pressure and he's accepted the pressure. But also uh I'm not worried that uh, if he doesn't succeed in his first season, I'm not worried if we if we keep him. I'm not worried that we. I know he he can build a team and he can build a team from from uh, with not a lot of money. So I'm not really worried that we will go into financial meltdown with Henning in charge if we don't uh, go up on the first try. So that that's really comforting.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, um,
2: it's going to take a long time to rebuild the team and the club, so uh, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, Like you're saying, uh, I'm also quite surprised how quickly uh, Henning has been able to pull the team together uh, organisationally, just uh, three matches in so far. Um, Hopefully uh, he can uh, build on this and get us challenging for, for promotion this season. But uh, more important than than that is the long-term stability of the club. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see how it goes.
1: I would just like to add one uh, thing, Gwen. Yeah. Um, many people on the BRFCS message board, they uh, ask us Norwegians if there is any any Norwegian players that uh, Henning might be interested in. So I thought maybe I could uh, mention that a little. Please do, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem with norwegian players is that they're they're quite expensive uh and uh the norwegian league isn't as good as it was in the 90s when we had lots of norwegian players in the premier league and those who have given the chance abroad has has uh, f- failed or not getting playing time in in championship clubs and uh and uh, other clubs in in the Dutch league and uh, in Bundesliga and so on. There are very few who have been very successful. So it's a big financial risk to to take uh, to to sign in Norwich now, I think, because they will be quite expensive. And I don't really see any any player who who stands out. But if if I should mention one uh, player. That is Joshua King. He's a strong, fast striker, and he plays for the Manchester United's reserve team. Maybe Sir Alex Ferguson will uh, loan him out to to Henning. Uh, that could be something to watch out for. But in my opinion, that's not the the most dire spot we should uh, strengthen. So. Uh, i don't see any any candidates that uh, that uh, we should sign from uh, from the norwegian uh, league and I'm not sure if the best players in the Norwegian league will want to come to the championship I'm not really yeah. sure about that as well so yeah that's my answer to all you fans who are uh, asking us Norwegians about that' right
2: yeah cami uh, last week in the podcast was suggesting that Henning had been talking to Sir Alex already uh possibly about loans so it'd be interesting if uh, something comes out of that uh, so we we'll, we shall see how your tip is
1: yeah uh yeah that will that will certainly be a one to watch out for he he has yeah. he has currently been uh, getting uh, getting uh, national first team play uh, games now so and he he, he did really well so maybe uh, I I know he has said that uh, he wants to fight for the for the the spot now in Manchester United. want to try to break through in the first team squad. But he he's also said that in January I have to reevaluate and look and maybe if I if I haven't gotten any chance at Manchester United then maybe I'll have to take my career somewhere else. He said so. Uh, there are some uh, some signs there. <laughs> good, good.
2: Well, thank you ever so much for taking time out to come and uh, join us on this podcast. Uh, it's been lovely to have you with us. Yeah. It, um, it has been uh, lovely to join. <laughs> great, and uh, we look forward to your contributions on the message board. Keep uh, keep the contributions coming about uh, Henning and about Norwegian football uh, over the coming months and years. Yeah. And yeah. Thank you ever so much.
1: Yeah. And uh, I hope uh, everyone uh, accepts my bad pronunciation on some words and understands what I have said. uh, Last hour. (laughs) Uh, No, that's no problem.
2: No problem. Great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you also to Paul, who was uh, with us earlier. I had to leave, of course. And, of course, in the background, uh, Josh is working on the recording and later he'll be working on the production of this podcast. So thanks to him as well. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you ever so much for joining us wherever you are in the world. Uh, Do take care. Thank you very much. Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.